0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. I'm all-rahmat, Lord, of the Allahumma <laughs> lakal alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika al-thiqa wa alayka tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alaihi al-azim. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa li amri wa hal'uqata min lisan ifqahu my beloved brothers and sisters, I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for bringing us together here in this gathering and for allowing us to continue uh, this uh, gathering when we were on a very long break. Some of that had to do with Ramadan and other issues, but alhamdulillah that we are here. And I would like to apologize and seek your forgiveness for any, the many absences. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue this so that we can get towards the end of the surah. Um, surah al-Baqarah, we were in the second juz. And I've mentioned several times that this juz focuses mainly on what? Ali? You were not here? Rulings. Jazakallah khair, akhi. Rulings. Ahkam. So we're doing a lot of fiqh. So often when we, uh, what's interesting is when we are studying um, different Islamic sciences, you have, some, you have a fiqh class, an aqidah class, and then you have an a Arabic language class, and you have a, a tazkiyah class where you about spirituality. And when you're doing tafsir, you're doing all of it. Because all of those things came from the Qur'an. So as you read the Qur'an, you're coming across uh, different uh, things. So this is why, I and specifically, Surah Al-Baqarah, Alhamdulillah, it, it has everything in it. Which is why uh, there was a lot of, uh, in the previous uh, lessons, where we spoke about the people of the past, the prophets, their stories, uh, and different rulings. We spoke about prayer, and hajj, and fasting. And now, the following few lessons were heavy, heavily focused on matters related to marriage and divorce. But... Um, the last lesson we had, the last ayah that we did, was speaking about the rulings related, or was, it was a, almost an introduction to the rulings related to oaths and swearing. Now when we say swearing, we mean when you swear an oath. You say, wallahi billahi," allahi, I swear by Allah. What are some of the rulings related to that? Uh, today we start with ayah number 225, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, fi uh, aimanikum." ولكن يؤاخذكم بما كسبت قلوبكم والله غفور حليم لا يؤاخذكم الله بِاللَّغْوِ في أَمَانِكُمْ الله will not call you to account for that which is an unintentional oath so when we are we encouraged to make many oaths, the answer is no. So what is the regular ruling of making an oath? Meaning say, well, Wallahi, I'm gonna do this. I swear by Allah, I'm gonna do that. What is the ruling of that? Generally speaking, we say this is disliked. This is disliked. In fact, to do this a lot, I swear by Allah this. I, to do this a lot is from the signs of the hypocrites. Right? Because uh, they have to go the extra mile to convince you to tell you the truth. So they will do this. And in the Qur'an, if you read, يَعْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ مَا قَالُوا يَعْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ They will swear, they will swear. Right? Uh, even in Surah um, al they, the, Allah mentions that they are swearing. Right? Uh, so, it's not necessarily something you should always do. Allah says in the Qur'an, وَحْفَضُوا أَيْمَانَكُمْ right? Preserve and protect your yameen. And it's called uh, uh, in Arabic, ayman or yameen, right? Now, uh, the ruling of it is that you shouldn't do it. If you do it, there are several things that you can do. Number one, is that you swear by Allah, um, you swear by Allah, something in the past happened. So, I swear by Allah that such and such happened, right? That brother did not attend that event. He wasn't there. Now, if I know he was there and I am lying, if I know he was there and I am lying and I'm using Allah's name, this is known as Al-Yameen Al-Ghamus. Al-Yameen Al-Ghamus. The word Ghamus means to dive into something, right? Al-Ghamus. Meaning this person is diving into sin, right? It's one of the worst things you can do and the Prophet in a hadith said that that is from the Kabair, from the major sins. To use Allah's name and lie. Now, then you have, when you swear that you're going to do something in the future, Right? Akhi, are you going to attend my wedding? Akhi, are you sure? Wallahi, I will attend. If someone said this. Or, you know, this can happen sometimes, right? Now this person, if his intention is to actually attend, he swore by Allah, I'm going to attend. Wallahi, I will attend. Now, he realizes, actually, I have a dentist appointment that I can't miss. I cannot attend. Or I have this, or whatever reason, I cannot attend. Then, he swore by Allah, he's going to attend. What does he do? If he cannot do it, then because he swore by Allah that he's going to do it, he must do a kafara. He must do a kafara. He must expiate that. And what does he do? He will have to either either uh, feed 10 people, clothe 10 people or clothe 10 people, or fast three days, right? Or free a slave. And generally speaking, a lot of scholars say it is optional. Any one of those would work, Right? And if and that is, a, or I'll give you another example. If someone swears that um, they are they are gonna not do something, but it's actually a good thing to do, right? For example, uh, someone's wife complained that they go to the to his brother's house too many times. Yeah, w- how, why are you always going? And he says, you know what? W- wallahi I will never go to his to my brother's house again. Someone said this. Now, going to your brother's visiting his, this is this is recommended, right? This is uh, keeping the ties of kinship. Now, but he swore by Allah, that he's not going to do it. What happens then? The Prophet said to us in the hadith, if one of you swears an oath, that you're going to do something, or not do something, but, that, but it is better for you to do it, then do your kafara and, and, and continue on. So in other words, if someone says, well, Allah, I will never visit my brother again, what is he meant to do? Uh, He is meant to do the kafara. He will feed 10 people or clothe them or free a slave or fast three days. And after continue visiting his brother. Right? So we are not, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not, uh, we're not binded to always uphold our oaths. Sometimes it is recommended for you to break your oath. If breaking it is better. Does that make sense? But if you break it, you have to do that. Kafarah. Then there is a type of oath that has no kafarah. And that is, what this ayah is talking about? لا يأخذكم الله في Allah will not call you to account for that which is an unintentional oath. Yeah, والله, I've been calling you all day. You know, Allah, you're never home. You know, a woman says to her husband, Allah, you're never home. He's home there, right there, right? So these kind of statements that people say that they don't really mean. It's not really an oath, but they say it, right? This is ma'afunan, this is forgiven. This you don't have to do. And this shows you the the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So that kind of covers, generally speaking, that which is related to oath. And there's a few things you have to remember when it comes to oath. Number one, it only counts as an oath if you do it with Allah's name or one of Allah's attributes. Allah's names or Allah's attributes. That's what we swear by. As believers, we do not swear by anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's very important to understand. We don't swear by the Prophet. We don't swear by anything else. Our moms, our children, none of that. And that's very dangerous. Now, the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man kana billah. Whoever is going to swear an oath, let him swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was an incident where, there's a few incidents in, 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 in our uh, traditions that you find. One was when a Jewish man came to the Prophet, peace and be upon him, and said that, O Messenger of Allah, your people commit shirk as well. Why are you always on our case? And then the Prophet asked, how so? And he said, well, when they are swearing, they say by the Kaaba. And the Prophet said, do you guys say by the Kaaba? He said, yes. He said, don't say this. Say by the Lord of the Kaaba. Always swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you learn many lessons from there. One is that the Prophet took what the Jewish man said And rectified it, meaning that when someone tells or brings us something, and that is true, we don't care who brings us that information. We have to uphold the truth. Secondly, that sometimes the companions would fall into mistakes, and the Prophet would correct them. They were not infallible. And everyone would learn and then grow. Another incident was when some of the newly converted companions still had the habit of swearing by Allah and Al-Uzza. Who are Allah and Al-Uzza? idols that were worshipped by Quraysh. So they would say... I swear by Allah. And it was a um, it was a, um, a nothing they didn't mean it, but it became something that they used to say quite a lot and it was hard to get rid of. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if one of you does this, la ilaha illallah. Afterwards say ilaha illallah,' Right? Reaffirm your tawaheed because you just mentioned, something that is, can be deemed as shirk, although the intention counts. What would be an example of this? There is a story that my friend and my sheikh and my brother, older brother, someone you know very well, Abu Osama al-Dhahabi, has told me the story. I think it was him that he told me. Yes. Was it him that told me the story? I'm sure it was him. Um, now, he was taking people to Umrah. And among them was a rival brother. Excited to go and see the Kaaba. And, you know, how many of you here went to Umrah? Now, the first time, uh, I know Ali did, because we did the walk together. Uh, <laughs> MashaAllah. The first time you see the Kaaba, is an amazing feeling, isn't it? Right? It, the, it, 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 it is a powerful moment. So this is man, he walked into the, and he sees the Kaaba, and the first thing he says, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, again, did he, uh, that was his first reaction, right? Um... So you can imagine, you can imagine someone maybe newly from Christianity, or, or and that they uh, they may utter a statement that they don't mean. And Allah subhanahu wa taala is the most forgiving. And what do you do? You say la ilaha illallah. Does that make sense? Now, Allah does not hold you account your unintentional oaths, right? But Allah will call you to account that which your hearts have earned in another ayah Allah mentions uh, deliberate oaths deliberate oaths so those are the ones that you have to do the kafara, you have to they are binding and the only time we are allowed to break them is if breaking them is what? Better. If breaking them is better, barakallahu The Prophet himself said in the narration, if I make an oath, and find out that breaking it is better, I will break it. Right? So, uh, because sometimes you will say something and then you realize actually, uh, it is better to to, to, um, to not keep it. And then you of course have to do the kafara, which we mentioned, where it was. There's a lot more detail in other chapters in the Quran about, about oaths. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, "Wallahu ghafurun halim And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghafoor and He is haleem. Allah is uh, oft forgiven and most forbearing. So Allah forgives us. And subhanallah, Allah forgives us even when we uh, use His name, but are wrong. And when we use His name, And don't fulfill. Allah forgives us. And that shows you how forgiving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. But generally speaking, my brothers, uh, preserve and protect your oaths. Don't use all the time. You don't have to. Get rid of the habit of always saying Allah's name. And also, I must address this, although I have several times spoken about this, the danger of swearing by other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is it so bad to swear other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because you know, when I'm trying to convince you that I'm telling the truth, I will invoke that which I hold the greatest. Right, when I say, Akhi, by Allah, by my creator, by the one who created the heavens and the earth. When I say this, that means that what I'm about to say, I mean it. I am 100 believing in its truthfulness. And I am trying to prove to you that I'm not a liar, by invoking that which I hold the most dearest and the greatest. Right? That's the whole point of an oath. So, in that moment, where I want to invoke that which I find the greatest, which should be who? Allah. If I say, "All my mom's life. Somewhere in here, there's something wrong, isn't there? That you, we all love our moms. But Allah is the greatest. That's the problem. That's the problem, right? Um, on my children, on my daughter. When people say this. No doubt, your daughter, your mother, they, you hold them dearly. But... The reason why we swear by Allah is because there is nothing greater than we hold most dear in our hearts than our greater Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why it's such a heinous thing to do. We only swear by Allah. لا بِأَبَائِكُمْ Don't swear by your fathers. Swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you have the habit, my brothers, my sisters, if you have the habit, if you have the habit of swearing by other than Allah, you say my mom's life, on my mom's grave, on this or that. If you say if you say these things, then get rid of it. Get rid of that habit. Get rid of that habit and start using Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. Um, طيب. One of the things that we should mention is that um, when you do make an oath, uh, we said you can use Allah's name. Uh, generally speaking, uh, it's wallahi, it's billahi and tallahi. It's, it's the Waw, the ba' and the ta'a. Those are the letters that is used, right? So when, when, uh, when Prophet Ibrahim said, I swear by Allah, so that these four letters... Um, are wow and ta are used usually when whenever an oath is being made. One of the things the Prophet used to say often is by the one whose uh, hands my life is in. Who's that? It's Allah. So you can say this. Right? by the Lord of the Ka'aba, right? These this is all fine. This is all fine. Um So now we understood, what did we learn? We learned general rulings around oaths. And we have to keep them. But sometimes you are allowed to break them. If we break them, we have to do the kafara. The worst type of yameen is the one where you lie. Where you lie. And you know you are lying. Right? If you don't know something, that is less of a problem. For example, if you really, really, really think that someone is home. And you say, are you sure he's home? Yeah, I'm home. Oh, Allah is home. But then it's, it's you're wrong. That is much less of a problem because you genuinely thought that was the case. But that's one of the reasons why we should avoid uh, swearing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, in the following ayah, we are entering into a particular type of oath. A particular type of oath. And one of the things that you learn or benefit from this is how detailed our sharia is. Now, Allah in the following ayah is discussing those who take an oath as it relates to their wives that they swear that they are not going to be intimate with them. What is the ruling? And what should they do? And would that count? And all of that. Why is this being discussed? For several reasons. One, it was Arab tradition. And Ibn Abbas mentioned this. Uh, this, is, this concept is called al ilah It's called al ilah Which is, what و- ilah is, that uh, you swear by Allah, that you will not have relations with your wife for a period more than four months. Uh, if you do this, then this is known as ila. What is the ruling? It is not allowed. You're not allowed to do this. right? Why wasn't it done? First of all, during the time of the Prophet before, the Arabs, they used to do this for years. Right? They're married and they'll say, you know what? I will not have relations with you for a year, for two years as a form of punishment. She's still married. She cannot go anywhere. And they will just stop her from being intimate and this was a, fo- a form of uh, a tactic to either uh, you know punish them or discipline them or whatever the case is right so this was the thing open ended then of course uh, islam is all about limiting and protecting right so can you do this um is a man allowed to do this? so can a man say to, to his to his uh, uh, partner his wife i will not have relations with you for a week yes but he should have a good reason for that. But can you? Yes, you can. Even if, for example, uh, you, there is something that you need rectified, or there is something you say, you know what? Uh, but how long can you do this before it becomes harmful and, some, and, and the courts have to step in? The period is four months, right? Four months. So, how does this relate to swearing an oath? Well, the man is swearing an oath by Allah me and you will not be together or sleep together or whatever the case is and however whatever wording they use for this much. If he says for one month, can he uphold this? Yes. Is he sinful? No. What happens if he breaks it? What does he have to do? He has to do? Because he swore to do it and then he broke it, right? Now, should he break it? What do we say the rule is? If it's better for you, then you should break it. And what does the kafar, what he has to do? He has four options. What were they? Feed or clothe, feed, how many people? Or clothe how many people? Or fast, how many days? Or free, someone in bondage, which is something that's not applicable today. طيب. Um, now, Allah says in the Qur'an, Allah says in this ayah, لِلَّذِينَ <speaking> مِنْ <in Hebrew> Those who take an oath not to have relations with their wives. تَرَبُّسُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُورٍ Must wait for Four months. فَإِن And if they return, change their idea in this period. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is oft forgiven and most merciful. وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا And if they decide upon divorce, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is the all Hearer and the all-knower. So what's happening here? There is a couple, the husband does ila. He says, I will not have relations with you. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And he, he has a uh, time in mind. And when it gets to four months, so he said it in 1st of January, we are now in April, around 2nd. Has that been four months then? Was that three months? That's four months, right? Okay. He, at that point, he, if he continues on up to this point, he's not sinful. That's the period that you are allowed. You're not encouraged, but you're allowed. And this is very important. You are not. You are not encouraged, but you are allowed. After this, he must give her her rights. If he refuses, she can. She can. He, he'll have options. Listen, if you're not gonna be a husband to this person, then divorce her. Right? Divorce her. If he says no, I'm not gonna divorce her, and I'm not gonna have relations with her. How long? Up to me. Seven months. One year. I don't care. Then the court, the qadi, the judge will divorce her uh, by court so that she can find a husband because at that point it's harmful to her. Does that make sense? Now, um, did this happen during the time of the Prophet Yes. The Prophet himself did this. The Prophet himself did ila. And he swore his wives off for a month. And this was because um, they asked him uh, they asked him uh, to provide more for him and the Prophet ﷺ was not about that life the Prophet ﷺ was not about his dunya and he wanted his wives to also understand that so he swore them all off in fact it's a very interesting qissa where Sayyidina Umar anhu, and Umar is the father in law of the prophet so his daughter is married to the prophet what's her name? Hafsa bint Umar. So she was part of the people that now have been cut off by the Prophet ﷺ. So there was a there was a companion that was neighbors to Sayyidina Umar. They were neighbors, and they had a deal. One day, you spend time with the Prophet where I do my work and my daily duties. And then in the evening, you bring me all the new information, and then we swap. Because they couldn't always commit every single time with the Prophet because they had livelihoods. And this was an interesting situation that they were had. They had Umar al-Khattab and another companion. So one day this companion knocks, it knock, it's knocking on his door. And then Umar opens, and the first thing he says is, are we under attack? Because of the urgency. And this is one of the evidence to suggest that when the Prophet went on the battle of Tabuk, that... This was a preemptive uh, uh, um, attack that the Prophet did, expecting them to attack at one point. So there, there, there was tensions. And one of the evidence is that the first thing Umar says, are we under attack? Meaning they were expecting one. But then the, the battle of Tabuk happened. That's neither here nor there. There's a point trying to make, which is, then he said it's even worse. Ashad min What is it? The Prophet divorced all of his wives. And why is that a shock to Umar? Who's part of that? His daughter. So he rushes... And he finds out it's not really a divorce; it's, it was a, it was an ilah. Does that make sense? And then, have you guys heard the narration where the Prophet was sleeping, and then the, what he what he was sleeping on imprinted on his on, on his body? Yes. Who, who who heard that story before that the Prophet was sleeping on? Yes. That's this incident. So Umar goes to him, radiallahu. He goes to Rasulullah and he sees the Prophet sleeping, and then Umar weeps because he sees this. This is the same story, right? It's always nice when the qisas are connected like that. Now. The Prophet stayed away from him for a month. Because that's what he said. He said, Was he fully within his right to do that? Yes, he was. Because that's not four months, is it? He came back after 29 days. And then Sayyidina Aisha, our mother Aisha, said, It's not a month yet. Ya Rasulullah, you made also not a month yet. And then he told her, A month is either 29 or 30, which is the evidence for the lunar calendar that we use every Ramadan. The month's going to be either 30 or 29 imma uh, this or that right um, so there's a lot of benefit from that story but the Prophet ﷺ did Ila so Ila within itself is not wrong when does it become wrong as we learn from this when it is extended to a prolonged period which is how long four months the scholars also try to discuss what is the secret behind four months why four months why not five months why not three months Allah knows best and there is also a story that is narrated by, is mentioned by some of the ulama, that, and they, they attribute it to the muwatta of Imam Malik. The muwatta of Imam Malik. Although most narrators of Imam Malik's muwatta have not mentioned the story. But some have, but it could be a, 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 from a, the a, transmissions that has not reached us. And Allah knows best. But this story is mentioned, and it may not be authentic, but it's worth sharing because there's a connection, which is that, Sayyidina Umar, after when he was the Khilafah, uh, khalifa, he would uh, walk around and check up on people and make sure that they're okay and walk around the city at, at, at night. And that he overheard a woman that was singing or poetry and she was missing her husband. And something along the lines of that he was gone for too long, right? And she mentioned something uh, that if it wasn't for my fear of Allah and things like this, right? That she's protecting her chastity her but that she wanted her husband. And her husband happened to be among the men that Umar sent uh, uh, to the frontiers, right? So then Umar started asking questions, especially to the women folk. How long can a, a wife wait for her husband before it becomes a struggle for her, right? Because of course, everyone, we have desires and needs and all that. And he asked a few people, and one of the people that he asked was his own daughter, Hafsa. And she was bothered by it. He was, listen, this is... Uh, he, he, because, he, because he wanted to legislate. And that's why he legislated that uh, the rotation for uh, the, um, uh, his army was four months. Right? Which is, is an interesting qissa that is somewhat connected to this. Tayyip. What is the difference between that and this? This is someone voluntarily, while he is there... Swearing off. Whereas that is someone that has traveled. And there's difference there as well, right? So all of those people that are working abroad or studying abroad, you're not doing ila. You just uh, ha- have a long distance relationship. What is an ila? What is the key element component that makes this different? It is the swearing of the, of the oath. Does that make sense everyone? Barakallahu I told you guys, this is going to be more of a fiqh lesson. Uh, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says, Those who take an oath not to have relations with their wives, tarabbus, uh, they wait for four months maximum. Now, uh, let's say someone swore an oath that he was not going to do it two weeks. After a week, it was like, Khalas. he has to make kafara. He has to make the kafara because you made an oath and then you broke the oath, right? Uh, whether he should keep it or not Will depend on what is better for that situation And the Prophet told us If you make an oath Keep it Unless you think breaking it is better Then break it But do the kafara first um, Also when do you do the kafarah? When you break it Or before you break it So let's say You have the intention to For example Let's say someone said You know what you have a, Let's go back to the earlier examples Not necessarily related to the wives Let's say someone said he had a bad experience. He went to Liverpool. He had a really bad experience. They said, you know what? Wallahi, I'm never going back. Wallahi, I'm never going back to that city. Right? Then, all of a sudden, you know, these are very uh, things that can happen in life, right? People do this all the time. It's important that you know the ahkam and the rulings. Someone said this. Then, you decide, you know what? What's a bad idea? I probably should go. or oh, there's something happening. I need to go. Right? Do you do the kafara After you have gone and broken your oath... Or before when you have decided to break it? Do you, do you guys understand the question? When do you do it? There's some khilaf according to scholars. A lot of them are flexible. You can do it before, you can do it after. But from, there's a clear narration that, that means that, that shows that you should do it before. Where the, where the Prophet ﷺ said, if one of you makes an oath, and then decides it is better for him to break it, uh, then, فَكَفِّرْ يَمِينَكَ Then, uh, expiate it first. ثُمَّ And then after that, do what you're going to do. Right? So uh, it seems that the better thing to do is to do your kafara, then do what you were going to do. Does that make sense? Um, so, in that case, if you now go back to the example of the ilah, if someone did ila for a month and then after two weeks decided that he wants to break it, you should do your kafara first, then have the relations. That's the better way. Does that make sense? Um, another important matter that we have to understand is the power of the judge here and that. Uh, in Islam, the Qadi, has, the Qadi has power vested in him to separate between wives and husbands. If the husband is stubborn and he is keeping her but not giving her, her rights. And this is not only to do with ilah and, and relations, even with finances. Let's say, a, because a lot of people say, well what are the options that are available? And we learn some of the ahkam of this as we go along in Surah Al-Baqarah. If a woman is in a marriage and she has problems, what are the options available for her? And a lot of the options is that she can raise many issues uh, from an Islamic system to the judge, right? And during the time of the Prophet they would raise it to the Prophet. My husband does not give me enough income for the household. And then he will be told, okay, you, should, you need to do this. If he then refuses or is, uh, if he's not giving enough, then the judge will say, well, if you're not going to give her her rights, you need to let her go. If he refuses, he says, I'm going to keep her and not give her rights, then that decision is taken away from him and the court will divorce them. Does that make sense? If uh, he's harming her, it, and this is one, a type of harm, isn't it? This is a type of harm as well. Um, so that, that shows you how... Uh, you have a question? Tafaddal. So in the West, it's very interesting. Right? We, we, we do have some Islamic courts. So you can always go to those as it relates to this. Um, and um, they, the if we don't, we have Islamic courts that do uh, divorces and they do uh, all, all these things. I mean, in, a, in our masjid, we have an office that deals with it, IJB that deal with it, and they have people that come to them. with all sorts of problems because we're not living in an Islamic country and we don't have a centralized authority. A lot of our communities and masajid, ideally, I prefer that it's not local imams doing it because a lot of times, you know, it's the, they go to the imam. But that, the, that we actually set up actual uh, courts with many people because they have to uh, research and discuss and a lot of times it's not as simple as someone walking in. yeah, my husband, rah, rah, this, okay, khalas, we'll divorce you. It's not like this. They have to actually look into the case and uh, it's, it's an actual case that they have to study before making a decision and it is a heavy decision, heavy decision whether you're going to separate people or not separate them or whatever the case is. Does that make sense? But we do have Islamic courts um, that operate in, in many centers. Uh, let's read the ayat one more time and we conclude here for tonight inshallah wa Allah subhanahu ta'ala does not hold you accountable for the unintentional oaths What are those oaths that are unintentional? What examples did we give? Anyone? Naam? Someone on this side you know, I always blindside people with questions. <laughs> Anyone, what is an example of an unintentional oath? Yes, when you say Wallahi and you don't mean it, when you don't mean it, tayyb. does Allah hold you accountable? Do you do the kafara for that? No, you don't. But Allah holds you accountable for that which your hearts intended or have earned. So that is any oath that you mean, you have to do the kafara. Uh, and indeed, Allah is ghafur. Uh, the word ghafur teaches us that Allah is the most forgiven and that He often forgives us. And when you hear this, wallahu ghafurun, it is right after Allah told us that we shouldn't do something. Think about this. Don't do this. Allah is the most forgiving. What is the connection there? If you do it, repent because Allah will forgive you. That's really important. Yes, akhi? Oath, yes? No. No, if it's unintentional, there's no kafara Um, at all. Haleem, and Allah is the most forbearing. And then lillazini yu'luna min nisa'ihim, those who take an oath not to have relations to their wives, and this is called ila, they wait for four months, that's the maximum. That's the maximum, then there will be court that will intervene. If the woman complains, if she doesn't complain, then there's nothing there to do. Does that make sense? That's also a key point to remember. The court doesn't just make people. You know, it's been four months, and it's, if she's right, um, I was actually reading earlier because I was I was looking into this, and I was reading earlier that there was a couple that were together, married, and they had no relations for 27 years, right? And you're wondering, well, they're just roommates, right? But just, and but uh, the court would not intervene. That's up to them. But the moment she says my rights are is not being provided for me, and then it's like, okay, well, this arrangement involves an exchange of rights and responsibilities. If you're not gonna fulfill these rights, then you'll have to let her go so she can find a suitable husband. Does that make sense, everyone? Naam, dalha. It's consecutive. It's consecutive. Um, so what are the options? The options is, okay, keep your relationships and give her, her rights. If not, then What? Divorce. force. What does Allah say? taraq. If we decide upon the force, Then Allah is the all-hearer and the all-knower. برقرى فِيكُمْ We're gonna conclude here, inshallah ta'ala. You have a question? Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um. So the question would be, is he is, is he doing the bare minimum or he's not even doing the bare minimum at the moment? Is he meeting the minimum requirement for what would you consider as sustaining a household or is he below that, if he's struggling below that? Okay, if that is the case, then um it would be sad, but if that woman wants to be supported financially, which is one of the main reasons for the marriage, and he is not able to do it, it will be no different than a man who, uh, for whatever reason, would not be able to uh, perform the, the, her, the, the, her rights or her relations and any, any other means, any other rights, then she has the right to uh, appeal to the court and they will, they will uh, separate between them. Of course, most of the time, the relationship between a couple is not legal. It, 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 it involves love and mercy and, and commitment. So it's very rare for a wife to be like, okay, so you've been out of a job for how long? Two months? I'll give you two more weeks and then I'm going to go. It doesn't really work that way. So, but, so if, that, if it doesn't really work that way, why do we have these laws? Just in case they do come. Does that make sense? So um, this is very important. Whenever we study these things, right now... You, a lot of these rulings are very technical and this is something that you have to understand when we when it comes to fiqh it's very legal very technical very like okay you got 4 months but in real life it doesn't really work that way right you wouldn't uh, it, it, it in real life it doesn't work that way whereas most of the time if a husband is struggling to provide the wife would have patience most of the time right now the question is must she have patience not necessarily right and are we going to force her to be patient No, we're not going to do that. But most of the time, and uh, sometimes what happens is, people rush to divorce. And this is neither here nor there, but I was told of this interesting uh, situation where a woman, she did not want to be married to her husband anymore because he wasn't a good husband. He wasn't good at providing. He wasn't good at leading the household. He, He didn't have his act together at all. And she wanted to make it work, but in the end she said, listen, I have to choose me and this is not working. And then they had a divorce. And then when they had the divorce, she ended up marrying someone else. And that was the catalyst, the reason for this brother to change his life around. And he started changing and he started working really hard and he started practicing his deen and he earned a business. And then later she's been very successful. And <laughs> But what's interesting is, should she be regretful? She's probably going to be like, this is all I wanted. Why didn't you do it when we were together? But can we not also argue that the catalyst for his change was the separation. Does that make sense? So the qadr of Allah works in mysterious ways, right? And alhamdulillah. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, it's not necessarily always black and white and it's not always as... But um, among the key responsibilities of a husband is to provide for his wife. Although in this economy, uh, it's, it's getting a lot more difficult. So we're asking our sisters to help the brothers out. <laughs>